and welcome to the Alexis Pereira program. I'm your host, Alexis Pereira. With me, as always, is the Sancho Panza to my Dodd Coyote, lawyer Alex Estrada. How are you, Alex? Hello, old friend. Oh, the uh, man of La Mancha himself. <laughs> well, man gonna... of La Cancela. Uh, yeah, yes. there you go. I'm uncancelable, as you know that. Um, <laughs> can't be canceled if you're not started. Uh, so, Alex, how's, uh, how's your week been? Oh, my week's been fantastic. How about yours? It's pretty good. I had a viral tweet, as you saw. Uh, it's a, the Bernie video tweet. Oh, that's uh, right, yeah. I'm sure my listeners will follow me on Twitter, but I put up a video where uh, somebody asked Bernie, why would he do universal health care? If uh, unions uh, like SAG or AEA have health care and their health care will be taken away if you have universal health care. And then I followed that up with uh, a little greatest hits uh, to yakety yak of all the people who have lost their SAG health insurance uh, in the last uh, six months because of the pandemic. Yeah, that's right. I saw that. It was an epic, uh, epic clapback. Yeah, I it's called. I owned them. I own them, I think. <laughs> the only thing that got me really annoyed was he says in the video, hey, I'll be honest. He says in the video, I was a part of AEA, but unions like AEA and others, that's what he says, not just AEA, but other unions where you have a craft, uh, you work to get your health insurance and now you're taking away their health insurance to give them universal health care. And people were like, he doesn't mention SAG. He mentions, he just said AEA and other unions. And that made me pissed off because I'm like, what, is he, what do you think other unions is? Garbage people? <laughs> There you go. I guess they yeah they figured you shot the guy standing next to him, not uh, the man himself. So. <laughs> his his uh, his and also uh, as people pointed out, it's like even if he just said AEA or whatever, uh, that his comment wasn't about just his union. His comment right. was about union health insurance. Okay, which SAG is a union, and also they work together very. If you work in theater, typically sometimes you work in uh, TV. That's why you do Broadway to be on Law and Order. This podcast is just Alexis justifying his tweets. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then I had a three like her. That was better than, you know. All right. So speaking of justifying tweets, folks, we've got a great guest here. Uh, you've seen him on Herald Night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was on Mod briefly. Uh, I, never, I was never on Mod. I was he never was on never on Mod. Mod. I was on I'm Herald sorry. Night briefly. Briefly. <laughs> Uh, that voice, that sultry voice, is none other than Chris Gethard, show writer, Connor Ratliff. <laughs> never, never wrote. Never yeah, wrote. Con- Connor, if you're not familiar with the show, if you've ever seen a Soviet show trial, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit like that. Yeah. The indictment yeah. is read. Yeah. I've come and, prepared. I've come prepared to defend myself against, <laughs> against these allegations. <laughs> Nothing I ever did on the Chris Gethard show was ever approved by anyone in advance. <laughs> I just want to show you what Cuban justice looks like. That's yeah. all. How are you, Connor? How's I'm do- your? I'm doing okay. I'm making it, making it through the year, which is just, that's as good as it gets, right? In 2020, yeah. just making it, just looking for 2022. Often you've been distance. saying you've been saying looking for 2022 for about five to ten years now. Yeah. Did you know? <laughs> did you know about the I pandemic? Had a, I had a hot tip. I had a hot tip. <laughs> Uh, I have invested my. I've done quite well during the pandemic. I invested in all God. the right things. Yeah, uh, you started four M. Yeah, long before, <laughs> long before. Yeah, uh, no, but I'm doing okay. You know, I'm surviving and you know, not too sad most of the time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm doing great. We seem to be doing, we seem to be thriving. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of my wheelhouse. Everybody's yeah. stuck at home, talented yeah. people not able to go out. Yeah. Like that's my wheelhouse right there. 
Yeah, you, everyone, even if they can't see you smiling, they can hear it. You are having a blast. I got a huge smile. Uh, chin to ear, as they say. Uh all right, so Connor, I don't know if you know this, but this podcast that you're on right now, and I know you're a regular listener, is on the Authentic uh, Podcast Network. Yes. And uh, part of the deal that uh, they, they did with me is they said that if this podcast ever takes off, and I'm talking double-digit listens, yeah, uh, we're, they're going to do a little talk show. Oh, that's a great deal. Yeah. And all your favorite talk shows, uh, Late Night with Byron Allen, uh, <laughs> Late, Later, they all have a monologue. All right, and uh, so I'd, I'd like to read my monologue uh, for the for the for the group. And uh, Alex, what, how would you say this monologue typically goes? On a scale of, uh, are we talking Chernobyl to uh, Three Mile Island? There you go. Okay, all right, forget it. Not even. I'm going to edit that out. It's a Fukushima, boys. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> my monologue. My girlfriend and I have been having a pasta fight. And no, I don't mean we've been throwing pasta at each other's naked bodies. That's just one of my fantasies. In the pandemic, we've decided to split chores based on our personal preferences. She loves to cook, so she does the majority of the cooking. I love to wash dishes, so I do the majority of complaining. My girlfriend once left the spaghetti on the pot too long without stirring, and we ate what I could only describe as a hot pasta cookie. Since then, we rarely eat pasta, not because she can't make it right, but because I bother the shit out of her every time she does. She claims if she looks away from the spaghetti, even for a second, into the kitchen I go to stir the pot, both literally and figuratively. If you're so freaked out about the spaghetti, why don't you make it yourself, she gaslights. I explain, I wash the dishes, chief. And also, crowding somebody while they're trying to cook and making comments the entire time? That's called lending a hand. Sounds like somebody's never worked in a restaurant before. Now I open it up to the panel. Do you like to cook? Connor, we'll start with you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I would say that I do. I don't like to cook too much. Like, I don't like cooking. Um, I get stressed when you have to cook a lot of things for people and they have to all finish at near the same time. Like, I don't like uh, that. Yeah. I don't like it when it feels like spinning plates, you know? Mm-hmm. But, and I, I like cooking easy things. Um, some, I like cooking like a big pot of chili. Sure. And what, part of what I like about that, I guess I don't like cooking in some sense because what I like about that is I cook it and then I'm like, I'm done for the week. Like, this is what yeah. I'm eating. Great date food, by the way. If you bring a date back to your place, just a big pot of chili. Big pot of chili. Just, like, yeah. help yourself. I got a second, Connor, on uh, on batch cooking. It really has changed my life for the better. What's funny, because uh, uh, the episode that Alexis just described, I actually saw a video of the, um, of the encounter. And, uh, you know, between well, recorded the sobbing and the screaming and everything else that happened in it. Well, I needed to uh, show I, that she's actually saying these things, you know. I wanted proof I, of it. I guess so. But the, the weird thing is she was using such a small little pot. It was like a saucepan. Yeah. You don't fucking cook uh, pasta in a saucepan. You get it in a big, you know, a big pot and use a colander. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just don't know what's going on over there. I, I myself, yeah, exactly. Look, I love to cook. I don't like to cook often, uh, but uh, I do like cooking. And I also find cooking sexy. Like, I love having somebody in the living room or whatever, like, having drinks. And I'm coming out of the kitchen with, like, a little towel around my uh, waist. Just a little towel. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, in my corduroys and my, uh, you know, my polo vest. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, 
you know, just be like, oh, guys, here's the appetizer and putting it out. And everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? Like, it's just like Aaron is so lucky. Like, I just love yeah. that whole. I thought, uh, I thought you, were, you were a comedian, but you're so much more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, not many people think I'm a comedian. I will admit that. So that that would be nice. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Alexis, this monologue was a Centralia uh, mind fire. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, that, that's all. I, and I, again, like I like it when it's an event. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so uh, even, uh, but did you you worked at a restaurant before? Did you? I was a dishwasher. So I, uh, I, I, and I, I have to say that that I had an allergic reaction to the detergent. Oh, so for about a year after I had, the, I only had this job for a few months, and for about a year afterwards, I would sort of like hold my hands like they were in agony. <laughs> Just by default, I would sit there and, I would, and people would be like, what's wrong? I'm like, ah, that's a long <laughs> Flashbacks? Story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I uh, I used to, I worked at this place in Ashland, Oregon. I was working at, a, at my friend's uh, preschool. And then when school wasn't in session, I needed a job. So I, the only job I could get was a, uh, as a dishwasher. And the people in the kitchen, they would have these amazing philosophical conversations um, and then they wouldn't share the tips with the dishwasher, which I really resented. But there were these two guys who'd have these conversations, and the one guy would be like, yeah, you know, the other night I was like, uh, I was sort of exploring, like, my consciousness, and uh, at one point, I just sort of, like, I flew out of this realm, and I just became pure consciousness, and I, I thought, you know, uh, I wasn't I wasn't ever going to come back. And then there's this long pause, and I heard the other guy who was his boss go, oh, oh, God, well... Well, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Ashland, Oregon, man, takes me back. Uh, Did you you ever make it up to the uh, Shakespeare Festival? Uh, Yeah, I auditioned for them. They didn't want me. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. You showed them. Yeah, I showed them. Um, It was, uh, I I was backdoor neighbors with um, Anthony Heald, the actor who, um, he plays, um, uh, Dr. Chilton and Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yes. And he was like, he was sort of like this um, star performer at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And it was just this perfect gig because he could live in this little small town. But it was a small town that had like a main street that felt like it didn't belong in a small town. It was yeah, like, om- it was almost like Berkeley uh, yeah. or, or like Telegraph in Berkeley. And I would drive up. I, I knew, like, oh, that's his house. That's that guy on Boston Legal. Like, he would leave town to go do TV and movies and then come back and do, like... Oh, like, my dream life. That's yeah. my dream life. Um, I mean, you can have it. I think you could probably... Thank you. You could have that. You could go there and be in uh, any Shakespeare play. No, I want to be on Boston Legal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, I, I actually, when I was a waiter, I uh, auditioned for a play festival. It was the Outback Play Festival. Uh, where anybody in a New York City outback could audition to, to be in it, and I was the only person who didn't get cast. Wow! So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we both have our our, yeah. uh, our, our revenge fantasies. Uh, what's my revenge fantasy? <laughs> well, you know, you didn't get into the Shakespeare Film Festival or whatever that is. That's, that's, I have no revenge fantasy. <laughs> you don't have their names that's written down of all the Connor set fire to the Globe <laughs> Theater. I, I love how quickly you 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 implicated me in your. No, I would happily go perform there if they ever need uh, someone who's a you know minor recurring part on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and they want me to play Iago. I'll do it. <laughs> That'd be Connor. I'd, I'd love that. Connor's Did revenge is so his revenge is so well thought out. He's claiming he doesn't want it. Yeah, that's, I don't want it. Cool. Uh, 
Alex says the best revenge is living well, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> not if they're not noticing. My yeah, mother exactly. used to say that a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly. The best revenge is living well. There you go. Yeah. Uh, let's I get mean, into and murder. Murder is the other. There you one. go. Like, people don't say those are the top. <laughs> like, bubbling, bubbling size. under a bubbling under at number two. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying you have to murder them. I'm just saying get you can you buy a man who can do both. <laughs> yeah, there you go. My fantasy is to buy that like theater or whatever, and like not cast the people who got in. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be my wow. Not cast the people who got in, so you would punish. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't punish the cat. I mean, you wouldn't. Would you fire the casting people? Or no, no. I, I well, they have experience. So I have to keep them. <laughs> so, yeah. Alexis but, wants uh, to become a supervisor and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then really be a success and show yeah. that's done. I want to work for the people who didn't cast me. That's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's get into the news. Are you a big news guy, uh, Connor? I don't know. I'm a big news guy, um, but I take breaks from it. Um, oh. So, so there are gaps in my news knowledge. Like sometimes I'll be like, "Wait, what?" And then people will be like, "This big thing happened." I'll be like, "Oh, I guess that was during one of my off months." You know, mm. there are times <laughs> Corona. Oh, yeah, I've I'm catching up on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm still reading back issues. Is it going well? Oh, uh, well, twenty two is what I read. Uh, um, <laughs> think about that. Um, no, I, but for instance, like. I only watched fragments of the DNC this week. It was just enough. I, I There was a time when I would have watched all of it. Yeah. But this week, I would watch just enough to be like, okay, yeah, all right. Like, nothing nothing was happening that I felt like, oh, well, I absolutely need to know what they're going to say. I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, I'm on board with this or, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, they seem like they're saying good things, you know. Yeah, it was a very montage-heavy uh, convention this time yeah. around compared to past yeah. conventions. I heard, every time I tuned in, I feel like I heard the same opening bars of Bruce Springsteen's The Rising. <laughs> <laughs> it was always just like... That's what the song was. Oh, yeah. I was trying to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, let's get into it. So the DNC was this week. Uh, Joe, Joe Biden official, officially won the nomination, uh, even though AOC... Tried to stop him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did see that, that everybody freaked out about a perfectly normal thing. That's yeah. like, look what she did. And, like, and then, like, half the stories were like, let me explain to you why you just reported something insane. I actually believe that this was kayfabe. Uh, I, I have a, um, a theory that they want the Democrats to not seem left-wing at all. Like, they want the Democrats to seem like mm-hmm. they, they disapprove of AOC. So they kind of set this whole thing up where they're like, well, you're going to do this. You're going to nominate Bernie, which is normal, but we're not going to explain it. Right. We're just going to make it look like you're fucking it up for us. Right. So that now when we go to the general election, it'd be like, hey, see, AOC tried to fuck it up. That's how good uh, uh, Biden is. He's straight down the middle. Right. Wait, so who do you think is doing it? You think this is the Democrats trying to, the Democratic Party trying to act like there's more of a... A gap between them and the left, the left wing of the party. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a. I think there is a. I'm not too paranoid or too conspiratorial, although it's hard not to be these days because there are so many things that we don't know. Uh, so that just creates a, a a vacuum that we fill with like narratives. Um, but I do think that like it was an open secret secret for a long time that when when the Democrats were would not approve of gay marriage. 
that everybody knew that all these people secretly were in favor of gay marriage. They just didn't want to take the they didn't want to take the hit. Sure. So they'd say thing they if you have about a decade of, of sort of middle of the road democratic politicians saying I believe marriage is between a man and a woman when we all knew on both sides everybody knew that if you really got them in conversation they'd be fine with it you know mm-hmm. there were very I think there were very few democratic politicians who actually cared they were they would have been fine with anybody they just knew that they didn't want an attack ad that would like uh, lose them the election you know yeah the they convention is them. very much geared towards uh low information voters uh at least that's what it what it felt like and i think in the past that's sort of the way it's gone like there are all kinds of ideological battles that take place within parties uh yeah. figuring out the platform and such but ultimately the convention at least the last couple of cycles has acted as kind of like an infomercial for yeah. the party yeah. And, uh, and on the Republican side, I would say at the same time, there were probably also a fair number of Republicans who also believed gay marriage was fine. Yeah. But they had to act like they were aggressively like, no, I hate it. That's the one thing I hate most. <laughs> it's just like, you just like your big boat. <laughs> <laughs> we're the party of big boats. I can get yeah. behind that. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I still feel that uh, there are a lot of Democrats who really don't approve of that side of the party at all. Like, and sure. they even, may even feel like they're almost Republican. Yeah. In a weird way. And that's true. So I don't know. And I also don't think it's, it's not a big conspiracy. I'm just saying like, they're just kind of like, it's not like a huge plan. I just feel that sometimes people love it when, uh, people who don't know what's going on, fill in the gaps. Yeah. So they're kind of like, Oh, you know, maybe if we let AOC do this, maybe, you know, people will, equivocate it and think it's some kind of uh, coup. Well, it is, I think, undeniable that you do a lot better if if the general public can sort of project their wish onto you as a candidate. Right. You, you do a lot better if you leave certain things unsaid, because I think Obama definitely benefited from that in 2008, where there were everybody... I knew Obama was like a middle, uh, like a, a, a middle of the road, you know, like kind of conservative liberal. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people voted thinking like this is the revolution. A lot of people voted oh, yeah. against thinking this is the revolution. Yeah. And I likewise, so. yeah, I think Trump in 2016, there were people who voted for him thinking like he'll be a certain way. And some of those people are now dead from a disease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's been all over that. But I, yeah, I can definitely uh, piggyback on that. Uh, yeah, Obama is kind of like, oh, a change in the, uh, you know, this guy will bring about a fundamental reorganization of the United States, which I think is what a lot of people were sort of clamoring for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, as it, as we saw, that wasn't necessarily the case. It was sort of another line in these, uh, you know, progressive, but uh, fairly centrist candidates. Well, I, uh, I still... The I, office. He lost the uh, Congress because he wouldn't do uh, a public option. I really believe that. You know, mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. once he once he made the subsidies for people making until twenty thousand dollars, the people who made twenty one thousand dollars were like, "Fuck it, I'm not voting." Right. I'm just out. You know. So, uh, but yeah. So, did you what? you watch for the DNC? I I honestly watched a little bit of it. Um, it just it nothing. It just feels so weird to see people on Zooms. You know, essentially just just speaking to nobody. It's almost like you might as well make it a a dialogue. Like these speeches to like just mm-hmm. no nothing is just weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Have him do a herald. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. An Armando. Yeah. Um, 
That would be amazing if we got to that point where they're like, they don't do speeches anymore, but uh, <laughs> let me explain what they're about to do. Yeah. Uh, they're trying something different this yeah. year. Uh, uh, they're going to d- open with an invocation. Now, let me explain. Just, I'd love to see like Brian Williams like, explaining, like, no, they take an object. And uh, I had to watch this when Allison was doing 101. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was weird, but I have to say, and I, 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 everyone at the beginning of the week, it seemed like the, the conventional wisdom was like, this is strange. And by the end of the week, people were like, you know what's strange? Booking a giant arena and having all <laughs> the people who agree with you come and cheer yeah. When when there's no, it's not earned. It's like we're going to cheer no matter what you do. Um, it's actually weirder to have everyone go to the same town and go into a building and spend a week, you know, putting on this pageant. Right. That it is like, oh, we could stay home and do it from home. Yeah, let's do that. It'll be like <laughs> slightly awkward, but I think it's way more awkward to come out. I heard audio. I think it was from Trump's speech in 2016 the other night, which I haven't heard since that convention. And it's just him screaming about how our party won't tolerate people who are cruel. They're not welcome here. And I'm just like, and he was like, and I was like, oh, first of all, that was him trying to sound like he had empathy, saying that people, you're never, ever will be. Um, I was just like, we will destroy you. It's the most, it was the most petty demonstration of fake empathy because it, at the end of it, it was like, you never, ever will be welcome. You don't have empathy. Um, um, but I was like, God, he's screaming, and the crowd is screaming. I thought, it's I don't know what would be normal. Like, yeah. But um, by the end of the week, I got used to it, and the bits that I heard of Biden's speech, I thought, like, oh, God, it's just, like, kind of a relief to hear somebody who I think uh, uh, understands that it's hard to be a human being for everybody. Because yeah. I think right now we have a president who thinks it's really hard to be him. <laughs> even though even though the only bad thing that ever happened to him was he got elected to a job he doesn't want to do. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I, I, it's funny because the Biden speech did kind of give me a little relief. The, the other time that I got a little, I felt a little better about Biden, not that I wanted to vote for him, was when he um, had that one-on-one with Bernie. And I was like, oh, Bernie can't get in. And I was just like, well, Biden, I think I always thought he's going to win. And I think he's just, he's polishing it off right now. He's, He's gonna be fine, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I'm kind of mixed. Uh, so, Connor, just to catch you up, we also there's a poll going on right now about whether or not Biden will win in November. Alexis, pre-pandemic, uh, was betting on Biden. Most of us <laughs> felt that based on the uh, just the numbers and the the typical trends with an incumbent that Trump was likely to win. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think in the, the past couple of months, it's sort of shifted over to, oh, Alexis is going to win this $15. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think after this past week, like, I'm I'm sort of mixed. I don't know. Yeah. I think the, um, like, part of it will depend on sort of what happens in the next couple of, uh, the last month here, really. Yeah. Uh, and then also, like, I'm curious to see what their convention looks like, too. Uh, because, you yeah, know, we just saw the, the Democrats sort of painted... Uh, their version of what ha- what's happened, and then the but the lineup for the Republican one looks, looks yes. so ridiculous. They got the gun people. It's they like, got the gun couple. They have the Covington kid. Oh, it's going to be oh, uh, Covington I, all the greatest hits. They kid. have uh, they have uh, farting Panera Nance, uh, uh, Karen, <laughs> the one who uh, 
The one who uh, spit on everybody in the Patera and then screamed about how <laughs> pants don't protect you from farts. She's she's introducing Trump. <laughs> the keynote. Uh, yeah, I don't. I I I can't predict anything anymore because you know I I, I truly it feels it feels so bad to me to to think about how badly it's going to go uh, if if the right thing doesn't happen. I just don't trust that America... There's that like famous quote about how America always does the right thing after they've exhausted every other option. And that's one of those quotes that I've heard. Like John Meacham will say that every time he's on TV. He'll be, he'll be like promoting his latest book about the founding fathers. Thinking he'll be like, you know, America always does the right thing <laughs> after they've exhausted. I don't know if that's Churchill or someone, but um, the the I really think that like uh, a year if Trump were to get reelected, there will be people who will realize. A year or two from now, they'll be like, "Oh my god, we made a mistake," but they won't. They won't. I don't know why that person can't figure it out now. Like I'm always baffled why people like I wouldn't want to have a debate if I was Joe Biden because I would just think like this is a waste of time. I I spent my whole life watching debates and watching my guy win, and then it doesn't matter. Like I don't think in either case we either when either when the Democrats win or when they lose, I don't feel yeah. like the debates ever move the needle. You So you felt Lincoln Chafee won? I did. <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a Chafee chum. <laughs> I, was one of the, I was one of the Chafee chums. I was, uh, what's his face, the Maryland governor, uh, uh, O'Malley. O'Malley. I was yeah. an O'Malley fan. You I were, really you was. Were an O'Malley cat. Yeah. <laughs> you were sharting for Martin, That's as good. they say. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the, the only th- funny thing was um, I told a couple of people early on in the uh, election I was like oh I think I'm behind O'Malley and then they were like you know he has a secret kid and a secret family right and I was like alright you know what forget it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so do I yeah what's the big deal I'll keep your <laughs> secrets I'll keep America's <laughs> secrets the same way if you'll keep mine yeah. close to the best um, uh, do you think it moved the, do you think it settled any um uh, fears about Biden for people who are nervous about voting for him? I think, I think if, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, because he gave a good speech, and, and I think, like, I think that they may have overplayed. I think that some of the things that I would be concerned about with Biden are things that are kind of like, I, I, they're kind of like neutralized, because, like, there were some people who were like, really nervous about Biden thinking like a lot of the things that you want to go after Trump on you can't because Biden will make as many stupid flubs as Trump will yeah but I also think that maybe kind of doesn't matter because well it's like both of them are going to say things that sound bad between now and November but Biden's been doing that his whole life so I don't I, I like I don't think there's anything that's going to surprise me like if if Biden like when they play a clip of Biden, Biden like paraphrasing something where he's like, "It's the land of the free and the home of the." Damn it, man! You know what the heck I'm talking about? <laughs> like, I don't. I think I find that more relatable than alarming because I'm kind of like, "Yeah, I get it." He's he doesn't always have like yeah. the you know or he'll go into it like a weird monologue and I'm like, you know what? Like, we have a, an election between a guy who seems really mean. 
and a guy who um, seems like he's capable of of human empathy, of of understanding other people's loss. Like we have a president who just can't even. Like I, this sounds horrible, but I, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I'm gonna go crazy. No, um, there, Biden made that speech on Thursday night. And everybody said, oh, my God, it's so great to have a speech where you, there's human empathy, which is such a low bar. It's sure. such a low bar. It only only makes sense now. No one would have ever said that in any previous election in our lifetime. Right. Even <laughs> up against Nixon, you wouldn't have said that. You know, Imagine if they said that about, like, George W. Bush, if they were like, he has empathy. Like, people <laughs> were like, get the fuck out of here. So. And... Uh, and then the next day, Trump tweet today. Trump tweeted, um, "I love you, Robert. Rest in peace!" Exclamation um, mark. <laughs> and I don't know whether because his brother died last weekend uh, when he was golfing. Um, right. When Trump was golfing, not the brother. Um, <laughs> and, and he didn't say anything about it all week. And uh, and then he comes out with this tweet, and you'll never convince me that this tweet wasn't a direct reaction to Biden getting good press for being a human being. Like Totally. It, that was him being like, what do I have? What do I have? Oh, right. My brother died last weekend. Now's the perfect time. I'm going to steal some of Biden's thunder, show some of that human empathy that everyone likes. <laughs> um, seem to love. Rest in peace, Robert. Oh, no. I love you, Robert. Rest in peace! Exclamation mark. <laughs> like, that's the same. Like, it's just like when I see that exclamation mark after rest in peace. That's the same exclamation mark that's been after every sad, every, you know, like... Every time that he's typed something with an exclamation mark, that's the same dirty exclamation mark. Like, yeah. that exclamation mark has syphilis. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, don't put that in your brother's uh, uh, memorial, tweet. memorial tweet. Yeah. I heard I heard that um, he stopped calling uh, Joe Biden Sleepy Joe because it's very popular. Uh, the idea that Joe will be a sleepy president mm-hmm. appeals to people because they like the idea of a president not bothering people. I I think there's two huge things that I think Trump like that that no one's talking about that I think Trump blew this year that were easy wins for him. One was why didn't he call him Sloppy Joe? Yeah. <laughs> like he called him Sleepy Joe and Slow Joe and not Sloppy Joe. Sloppy Joe would have caught oh, on. Man. It's so much funnier. It already is a thing. You know what I mean? Like, hey, here I'm Sloppy and it's Joe. delicious, too. Yeah. Oh. You, all, you already, in your mind, you already have uh, Adam Sandler, like, putting it to music. Like, you have that little musical thing from the Lunch yeah. Lady Land. Sloppy Joe, slop, uh, Sloppy Joe. <laughs> like, people would have sung that at the Republican National Convention if that, if he, but it's too late. He can't do it now. Now, now if he does it, he does it because he heard it here. And it won't be okay. Yeah, there I you mean, go. Brad, he's a listener. He's a Queens guy. Yeah. The other thing that hit me the other day that, that got fired. The other thing that hit me the other day is: Can you imagine if early on Trump had just believed the scientists and listened to them? Yes. If if Trump had said in January, "Wait, what's happening?" and the scientists said, "This is what's about to happen. This is what's about to happen." If he'd had one smart person say to him, uh, Mr. President, you need to do what the scientists say. It's going to be painful because it's going to involve locking down and wearing masks. People aren't going to want to do it. But if you do it, you'll be reelected. Despite everything else going bad, you will be reelected. Because if Trump had just coasted on whatever the scientists said, he could now legitimately come out and say, I've saved all these lives. Yeah. He could point to other countries and say, look, look how much worse, you know, oh, these other countries are doing. I hope not. Can you oh, hear me? I'm not saying the There he is. Oh, there he is. Um, oh, good. good. We saved all these lives. Yeah. Uh, 
Trump could point to all these other countries and say, legitimately, we're doing better than them, even though, you know... And he could have also weaponized this to get other Stephen Miller-esque um, goals accomplished. He could have used this as, see, this is why I wanted to lock down immigration. See, this is why we have to build the wall. Like, he could have used this not only to win re-election, but to further his agenda. But he was too stupid, and he didn't have anybody good working for him. And if he had, he wouldn't have listened anyway. But yeah. that is almost like as much of a nightmare as we're living through right now with 170,000-plus deaths and growing and millions of people getting sick. Um, I look at it strategically now, and I think Trump could have used this to coast to re-election. And instead... He is just—he's in quicksand of his uh, that he stepped into willingly. He—he he, he was constantly working against his earlier comments, and yeah. that—that's the thing that like was very weird to watch is that he started off by saying it's going to go away quickly. We don't need to do anything. Uh, let people go out. He—he uh, he constantly made the co- the exact opposite comments he needed to make because then later on he'd go, okay, wear a mask. Okay, please stay in. Okay, yeah. now I'm getting the the medical stuff. But again, he already made his tent. Yeah. On this shit is fake. Yeah. So. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> you know what? And also, I'm going to say, stupid. <laughs> he could have been a showman. And I think that's the other part of it is that when you backtrack, you look, you look like a, you're like, you look bad. You know, you, you just yeah. don't, you're not as exciting. It looks like uh, a but if he's st- like a total, came, a total exactly. joke artist. It's like you choked Donnie. But if he started off by being like, this virus, it's going to be bad. It's going to kill people. Yeah. Well, follow me. Follow me. I got it. I'll, I'll save you. I'll yeah. save There's a, dis- there's a disease and it's coming from China. <laughs> right. But And I'm going to lead you to safety. You got to wear a mask. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. But then you're, I think you you got to you know, think about like the boy who cried virus situation too. Like if Donald Trump came to us in January with like a vision of what the next 10 months would be like and uh, started you know saying all this stuff to us. Like yeah. we've been like, all right. He did, yeah. he did this. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a mask. Yeah. Did we this picture of Connor that's frozen? Oh, there he is. Uh, uh, he's back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... It, it's yeah. crazy to think of how... But even, I think even if you told that to Trump now, even if you gave Trump a time machine and said, all you gotta do is go back to January and do this and you'll win... I think he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he'd get back to January. He wouldn't be able to help himself. I think he'd do the same thing again. He'd be like, it's going to go away. (laughs) Buy more Apple stock. Unfortunate. (laughs) Do you think, uh, like, if Hillary was president, like, how much different would it be with Hillary president? Like, what's one thing that would be different? I don't don't know too much. I mean, I think Hillary would have, I think, well, here's the problem, is that there would have been, a significant difference in the coronavirus death toll because some people would have listened. Yeah. Some people would have listened. There still would be a big percentage of people who would, in the same way that they obey Trump saying, don't wear a mask, it's freedom. There would still, a lot of those people would still see Hillary say, wear a mask and say, no, I don't want to. Oh my God. You know? But in more deaths. But, no, but I, I think there would have been fewer because I think I think there were people who legitimately thought, like, well, he's not wearing a mask, so I don't have to. I think it's very different if you're like, you guys should wear a mask, and then you put a mask on. I think there were people who would be like, I hate Hillary, I don't like doing what she tells me to do, but she's doing that because she doesn't want to get sick. 
and I'm not going to get like I'm not going to get sick. You know, I think there would have been uh, it might have only, but I mean, ten percent fewer deaths would still be a lot fewer, and that's I think there'd be at least that. I think there'd probably be half as many deaths. You know, Um, I think I think there's also just like you know. It's not like bad things didn't happen under Obama, but part of what's bad under Trump is like we. I think the post office. We wouldn't be having like post office insanity. I think we wouldn't be having um, uh, understaffed agencies of the federal government. Like, yeah. I. I mean, part of this is coronavirus, but like when I needed to try to get an extension on my taxes because all my tax forms were in my apartment in New York. And so when it was, even though they pushed it from April to July, I was like, I don't have, I don't have any of my documents. They're all sitting on a pile by my desk. And when I called the IRS, they were like, well, there is a part of the IRS that can deal with this, but they're, um, they're shut down right now. (laughs) So they were telling me you, they're like, we can, you have to file because I also didn't, I also was stupid at this. I didn't realize that when you get an, when you get a, um, an extension on your taxes, you still have to pay them right away. It's just yeah. an extension on filing. I'm like, what is the point of that? <laughs> um, the I, said, uh, and hung up on. The- <laughs> but I wonder. I know some of that was that the IRS was shut down because of uh, the coronavirus. But I also think there are huge swaths of our infrastructure that they're just not staffing or not staffing well. And I think that makes a difference. We don't always see it. But I think it makes a difference in people's lives when government agencies are actually doing their... I think a lot of the business of government that we take for granted happens at a very unsexy level, a very un, non-glamorous, non-controversial level. Oh, yes. That's the Pereira paradox. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I think what, what happens is they kill, they kill a small part of the government... And then you don't notice for 20 years because they weren't keeping up the sidewalks or whatever. Yeah. And then 20 years later, you're like, why do I pay the government when the sidewalks look like shit? And it's like, well, we cut the sidewalk people 20 years ago. And that's we feel the effects later. Yeah. And and we use the effects to justify doing more bad things, which is like, uh, where's my son? Oh, I murdered him. Yeah. Um, well, well, now I only got one son left. I'm like, well, I'll murder him too. You know, it's just sort of like, uh, it, it really is like the way they damage the government. And then people are like, the government doesn't fix the sidewalks. I'm going to vote against the sidewalk uh, people. You know, like right, right. That it's a great scam because I'm always amazed that you know, it, there's a kind of person who's paranoid about government being shitty and government being bad. But they don't realize that, like, in a big country, big things are going to take charge. They're going to gravitate toward, like, being in power. And at least with the government, when the government does something wrong, and we catch them doing something wrong or doing something badly, they don't have a leg to stand on. They're just like, we were wrong. We did wrong. Whereas when a corporation does something wrong, they always have something in their back pocket like, we had an obligation to our shareholders. Yeah. And I'm amazed that people who are terrified of big government and hate big government are fine with the fact that big corporations are going to fill that power vacuum. And when you catch a big corporation doing something wrong, they pay a fine and then they say, well, we we had an obligation to our shareholders. So, Whereas, like, at least the government is a big thing that's supposed to be working for everybody. Right. Yeah. yeah you know, show me, show I, I, me I, what, one government cheeseburger for three ninety nine. And then with fries for an additional dollar ninety nine. There you go. <laughs> One thing I've never understood is 
people are always like corporations should be able to do whatever the fuck they want to cut costs, blah, blah, blah. And then these same people get upset when these corporations like outsource to China or do free trade with China or something like that. Then they're like, wait a minute, what are you doing? Like, that's against the American. Like, you know, you know, those two those two ideas you have are in conflict, like either corporations like have to uh, look out for the American worker or, or, you know, if you believe that or they could just do whatever the fuck they want, including outsourcing, including paying uh, people in China to do your job. One thing that I one thing that always really bothers me whenever like pro-corporate pro-business people and it's not like I'm anti-business but I like I think just everything needs to be more balanced and there need to be more safeguards but one thing that always really bothers me is when people are trying to argue about why we should feel comfortable about businesses why businesses will do the right thing is they'll say like look if you're a if if uh if I'm a business and I'm not doing right by you I'm gonna lose your business (laughs) and I'm like have you ever actually interacted with a corporation like the number of times that like I've gotten a note from UPS saying sorry we tried to deliver this in the middle of the work day but you weren't here (laughs) yeah Um, we're gonna deliver this three more times at the same time two in the afternoon we're gonna try three more they tell you this on the sheet we're gonna try tomorrow at two the next day at two and then we're sending it back to the person who mailed it to you and they're like, well, what can I do? And you call them up. They're like, well, you could come pick it up. I'm like, where are you? We are as far away from a bus yeah. or or a, or a train as yeah. it is possible to make a building. Mm-hmm. And they don't care. They they because they're like, we are so big that we can sort of do what we want. And unless it unless it reaches a threshold where everyone's unhappy, they they can afford to lose your business. The Joe uh, the. That's funny because Dave Rubin says that a lot. He's this like podcaster who he was on Joe Rogan and he actually got banned, semi banned, just for being stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got kicked wow. out. Wow! And uh, he said he told Joe Rogan That's he was it. like, "I'd be worried. <laughs> I'd be if I were Joe Rogan, I'd be worried about that policy. We ban people <laughs> if they get too stupid." <laughs> so he tells uh, Joe um, Dave's like, uh, "I don't believe I don't I don't like that the government checks houses for like structure and stuff like that, structural integrity." And Joe's like, "Why?" And he's like, well, you know, if you build a house and in 10, 20 years it, it falls down, then you won't, like, hire that housing company again. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, Joe, and Joe's like, uh, they have your money for 20 years. In fact, many of them will be dead by the time your fucking house falls on you and kills yeah. you. So they don't give a shit. Yeah, that's like that classic Ben Shapiro clip of, like, when the when the oceans rise, you'll just sell your beachfront house. Mm-hmm. And there's that clip of the guy saying, who to who, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, s- s- speaking of, uh, oh, by sp- speaking of sea turtles, real quick, uh, somebody recently told me they thought that sea turtles lay their eggs unfertilized uh, into the sand, and uh, and then a male turtle will come and and have sex with sand <laughs> to get the t- eggs fertilized. Anyway, so uh, uh, speaking of uh, doing badly, Uncle Becky, Lori Lachlan, oh. she's going to prison for six months for sending her rich ass daughter. To uh, school for fake uh, six months. I think she only got two months. I think her husband got. Oh, it's uh, two months. Yeah, she got two months. Her husband got Uh, five months because he was more involved. uh, Right. The the prosecutors argued. Right. It's crazy that multi because like he's a billionaire, I believe. Her husband. Really. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a fashion fashion designer. Whatever. Yeah. Hundreds of millions at least, and she has millions or whatever. Right. And it's like it's so crazy that this they care so much about setting their. Kid to like is, a, it, is it a crime to care, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, okay, look, I know that it's not a crime to care, but it's it, it's it's it, but it to to care enough to do a crime. 
That's the crime. You know, the crime, that's the crime. Caring isn't the crime. <laughs> yeah, You're the crime right. is the crime. And and again, they they could have definitely gone to almost any school, mm-hmm. but they decided to do this whole fake thing to send it to a daughter to a school that she won't care about because she's already a millionaire, or billionaire, yeah. or whatever. It's in, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it's an interesting contrast because. Um, how long did Felicity Huffman do? She did like a few weeks. In yeah, like eleven days yeah. total. Yeah, yeah, almost almost yeah. a fortnight. And but it <laughs> no, was it's but forty it, days. And and it is interesting because I kind of in in some way I, I wish they would do more of that where it's like, especially for for any like nonviolent crime, it sort of feels like the punishment. If I was running the prison system, um, we do this for nonviolent criminals where we might be like, you get six months, and then after five days, we're like, you get you get what it's like, right? All right, you're out. <laughs> like, like, give them the fear of like, oh, no, yeah. six months. I'm never going to uh, commit that nonviolent crime again. But after five days, me, just like, me of you the, get it. The, the time I was almost sentenced to jail. Uh, this Ooh. is a podcast exclusive. Well, no, so what happened was in, um, in high school... Uh, I was visiting a girlfriend in a uh, an not Elk a Grove. Not a crime. <laughs> you see the problem. Crime was not as caring. Um, and so in the course Wait, of it... Which I, one of you was in high school? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bleep all this out. Look, so, so I, you know, I'm driving. I get lost. In the course of asking for directions, uh, I'm leaving a gas station. I hit a parked car. I, like, bump into it. It's a strange neighborhood. I don't, you know, I'm I'm running late for this date. Wow. I just take off. Uh, but, you know, in that time, I pause in the parking lot. You know, like, do I live in it? Do I not? And I just take off, and I don't. And so a couple of weeks later, uh, the police track me down and say, oh, were you well involved done. in an accident? Well you done, to- cops. Good yeah, work. well done. Cops in a different county, too. This yeah, is I mean, California. kind of amazing. You're just picturing that whole first half of a Law & Order episode. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw a car. <laughs> We yeah, get, he's some, we, get, we get cars in here all day. It's a gas station. <laughs> the guy's stacking way, boxes. Yeah. Every every like person in Law and Order gets interviewed is has no time of day for the cops. They're like, I is this gonna take a while? Yeah. I got a date. Yeah. Alright. I know uh, you're a cop. So so what happens so, so, they track you down. So what happens is I get charged with a uh, with a misdemeanor and uh, the thing is they're like, Well, you know, he's a minor, I was seventeen when this happened. Um, and so, uh, for your, you, you know, we don't really have like a way of like dealing with this in the criminal justice system. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to show you a virtual tour of juvenile hall, uh, which you know because you're 17, I turned 18 the next month. <laughs> and so the guy's just like, let me just show you what, what would happen. And he's like, clicks through. He's like, all right, this is where you would uh, you'd go in. You take a shower here. This is where you'd sleep. Do you this have like a? Hey. Did you have like a, an Oculus? Thing, <laughs> not even. I think I was wearing cargo shorts. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just no. I'm just saying it's, it's a guy like on his computer at like an office, just like clicking through. And then the other thing they do is they're like, "All right, um, you know, we don't really get this very often, so we're going to make you sit in on a vehicle theft uh, offender program they they hold for kids because my uh, city had like a an ex- extraordinary amount of carjackings and car thefts that happened, mm-hmm. and so they developed a course for kids." As a diversion program, and so on, I, I spent a Saturday. Uh, you know, everyone's going around the room like, "What'd you do?" He's like, "Oh, I punched my mom and I stole some cars." Like, how about you? I was like, "Oh, I was selling meth and I stole some cars." <laughs> how about you? I, I tapped into a car and did not leave it. <laughs> Yo, and we like. I, I'm also the like, oldest hey, kid in the I'm class Alexis. too. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Alexis. I'm with, I'm with MS13. This is Connor. He's with the KKK, <laughs> and we're going to tell you what what prison's like. <laughs> 
it's it's also just funny the idea of a. Were you in the room with the computer? Like yeah. just clicking through. So yeah, it's yeah. basically <laughs> like like a like a you know sensitivity training or it's like one or like an orientation for a job. Exactly. It's like this yeah. is what you'll do. This is what you'll do. Exactly. President I wasn't even going you. at my own pace. It I feel like, like I feel like at bare minimum if they're if that's the thing they should just have a cell that they can put you in for a minute. Yeah. You know yeah, like exactly. Yeah, I mean that would have done it for me. Like, like I was never in trouble or anything, but uh, I do think I do think you get the point of prison pretty quick, you know. And then it's just a matter of like, oh no, how much time is this going to be? Right. You know. <laughs> uh, all these, all the assaults and the uh, isolation is terrible. Like, uh, can I get a calendar or <laughs> just to see? How- That's a little bit of what the Saturday course was like. Yeah. Yeah. My God. That's awful. Um, so, did you get off at all? Like, or did yeah. You so, get a, basically, a, you know. a, after the after sitting through the course and watching the tour, uh, it was uh, discharged. Basically, uh, I guess you would, in New oh, York they call it an adjournment and com- contemplation of dismissal, and it basically means that if you you know take the course or whatever it is, yeah. uh, then the the charges are essentially dismissed. So, did you ever do anything? Do you ever do anything like that again? No, 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 sir. I gave up my license. <laughs> I he's, moved to New York. He's nodding yes. I promised to never drive a car again. <laughs> it's been very irritating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, but I'm, you know, it seems right that uh, Aunt Becky uh, got more time than Felicity because Felicity, like, basically copped to it. And she did, said, yeah. And, and so I think, like, it seems like this is the right outcome, like, right? Yeah. I, I just... I, I generally yeah. feel like... Yeah. I generally feel like the punishment for crimes of that nature and I like any kind of crime that's non-violent always feels to me like jail isn't the jail doesn't make sense there are other punishments that would make more sense you know yeah um, but like the I like jail is a thing that makes perfect sense for like this guy killed half our village and like what should we do with them well put him in there what don't let him out yeah don't let him out <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. Whereas, like, well, this guy <laughs> stole a bunch of bread. You're like, all right, well, should we put him in there with the guy who killed half our village? I'm like, eh, it doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, we can't have. He's going to learn from him. So, <laughs> yeah, like stealing bread versus killing people. Like, doesn't it doesn't feel like a building with bars is the same? Makes sense, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm. That's true. But, like, uh, I feel like Aunt Becky should have to... Like, particularly with people who have a high profile, I feel like you should just, like, community service them forever. You know, that, like... Fine. No. Yeah, but a fine also is, like... That's part of the problem was they thought that money would be yeah. the, the easy... Like, I the feel like... The solution to and the cause of all yeah, problems. I feel like... I feel like it's a thing where it's like, no, you're going to give back to the community. Like, you're going to... You're gonna go volunteer at this place. You're gonna like do these public service things. You know, you, right? And and for a long time, like for the next decade, maybe so long that at the end of that decade, when your sentence is up, you might uh, have changed as a person to the point where it's like, no, I actually want to keep working with you know yeah. um, homeless people or something. You know, like I, do, I, I doubt. Well, they, well the thing with the with well, this program I, I, too. If you ever watch an episode of Full House, they learn <laughs> lessons. They do learn lessons. Just think of that. It's an important part. But that was the thing too, right? Is that the you know, the way that they described uh, during Operation Varsity Blues? This was the federal bust. Wow. They said that the way that this guy, the mastermind of the uh, the scheme, approached people was that he approached folks who had like a lot of money, 
uh, but basically not enough to like build a building on a college campus. Because mm-hmm. the, the way that he describes it's like, well, there's front door, that's when you get admitted the traditional way, high test scores, great grades. Or there's back door, where you like donate a medical college, and then they put your kid in. He's like, what yeah. we're doing is side door, where we uh, use like your, uh, the, your money, which is great, but not enough, uh, along with these um, the what test you, scores, which are great, but a, not enough. Do you have a dumbwaiter? <laughs> or like a my, like a pet a pet a pet door is there a pet door? My daughter is big. Do you have like a, a bigger door for my daughter? She's a big lady. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and that so that was the thing of it. So like you know, in terms of the uh, the money thing, the yeah. problem was they didn't have they didn't have enough money to, uh, to you know to do it the legitimate way. And the so problems they, they, tried, the they went fa- cheap. That the, was the problems problem. of the fairly well off. <laughs> mm-hmm. East Egg versus uh, West Egg over here. There we go. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, God bless her. I always say that famous actors who do nonviolent crimes should have to do like web series with like unknown minorities or something like that. <laughs> like, they, can you imagine if like Pantry Boy got Lori Lachlan oh my, 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 my web series? <laughs> I they you know in an age where the when the comedy theaters open again it's like they go straight to Harold Knight or like they, oh like you, you you have a an ASCAT residency every two months <laughs> you have to do monologues for the early show uh. <laughs> uh, now finally uh, Russia uh, I think you it's, uh, the, yeah speaking of Russia <laughs> they speaking to Russia. They uh, will have to take down the uh, zero days since the last poisoning sign, or at least put the put the zero up because they poisoned a critic, uh, an, another Alex, a fellow Alex, Alexander uh, Ale- Alexei Navalny, and he's uh, in a coma in Germany right in now. Germany, That's yes. insane. It's crazy that they just do that in Russia. Not that saying America's hands are clean, but it's odd. You know, it's odd that they're just like, we're just going to poison these people and nobody's going to do anything <laughs> about it. And that'll be it. Yeah, there's, you know, as as bad as it is when you like sneak around and kill people, there is an element of respect, I think, to the to feeling like you need to sneak around. It's just like there's an element mm. of either whether it's shame or pride or who knows what it is. But like whatever the motivation is, doing it so brazenly, I don't know. It's just so it's just like. It's just such a, a, a glimpse into the mindset, which is just knowing that you can get away with it. Yeah, you know. Well, they even assassinate people in England. Oh yeah, yeah that's the craziest to like two, thing to me. Two is that like England? Yeah, because this the, the umbrella guy too, right? Was that also in England? Right. Yeah. Where they, yeah, yeah. The, that, they that, shot, that was the English one. Yeah, they shot the uh, was it dioxepam or something into the guy's leg with a with an umbrella gun, and then hey, yeah, he was poisoned. Hey. Hey, not my umbrella, Ella, Ella. Hey, hey, hey. And they also put that uh, like nuclear cube uh, with the man and his daughter. I think that's also England. Oh, right, right, right. Like yeah, and their cat starved to death. That was terrible. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. this just keeps happening. I guess if you're a Russian dissident, don't go to England. <laughs> is the message? <laughs> well, the food's terrible too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Have you ever had, have you ever been to a chippy? No, is that I've been to England a few times. I've never heard of Chippy. That's where you go get uh, fish and chips. Oh, yeah, they got good Indian food. I don't know about Mm -hmm. the fish and chips there. There's Uh, also I lived in England. There's also a term that people use casually that I could not. I don't know whether it it can't still be the case. I'm not going to say it. mm -hmm. But for cigarette, uh, no, yeah, there's that. 
But that is like a that's like a, a grandfathered in as like a Shakespearean. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like that's is like that a, in Shakespeare's plays? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> Look at no, those two. There's cigarettes. a term. There's a term that people casually used when I was there, and I and the first time I heard it, I was like, "Wait, what are you saying?" Um, and it was the term that you go to get uh, fish and chips at a chippy. Oh, no, no I- problem there. And then they're like, shall we go get Chinese food? And it's a word that's very similar. And the first time I heard it, and I did, it, it, nobody said it around me after this, because I immediately was like, wait, what? And they said, oh, they, they said it again. I was like, hold on, wait, that's what you call it? That's what you call a place where you go get Chinese food here? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, do you call it that when you get there? And they were like, oh, no. I was like, okay, all right, so we see, like, what the problem is, right? (laughs) Any name that you call a place that you won't say in front of the people who run the place is a bad idea, right? And then then I, I fixed it. I well, they love you were never invited to the Chinese places. This was also this was also this was the late nineties, mid to late nineties. There also was, uh, and you can look this up, a brand of jam called I think Robertson's that was as popular as like Smuckers or Welch's or any, and also Welch's Welching on a bet. I found out was a slur against Welsh people. I didn't realize that because I said something about Welching on a bet, and someone who was Welsh was like, "That's really offensive." I was like, "What, what are you wow, talking about?" It's got nothing. Welsh person. Because I didn't know that Welching on a bet had to do with Welsh people, and this Welsh person was like, "That's really offensive." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" It's got nothing to do with you about jam, and um, you're like jamming up the bet. Um, but the there was a brand called Robertson's, and the little proof of purchase. Um, that you would cut out if you if there was if you needed to like turn it in for like a rebate or something. The little proof of purchase was a picture of a gollywog, like an old racist doll, oh. like like a minstrel image. Yeah, and and I was in a grocery store and I'm looking at this and I'm like, uh, can somebody explain? Like, what am I looking at? And they're like, oh yeah, those are those little. They're like, I think like Whoopi Goldberg like collects these dolls that are like that, and it's crazy. And I don't. They, I, that is, it's been like twenty some years. But this was the late nineties, and this was the way you'd buy jam, and it would have this like horrifying racist imagery on it. It was just crazy. But the best jam was the racist one, right? That's the only one you would eat. I don't know. I never, I never purchased Robertson's jam because I didn't feel comfortable buying racist. Like yeah. I was like, "There's, a, is there a second brand?" Like, yeah. I'm like, "What's on it?" Like, maybe they're secretly racist. Maybe I'm yeah. still subsidizing something all horrible. Worse than but this. yeah, <laughs> they, they they were forced to put that on as penance. Um, no, it was crazy. Um, yeah, but Chippy, that's good, right? Well. Wow. Fish and chips? Did you ever have fish and chips when you went to England? Yes, I did, yeah. Did you like them? I'm not a huge You just said it was good. You said it was good, and then you backtracked on it. You liked eating food in England. Alexis, he's making you look like a fool on your own podcast. Fool. Unbelievable. 12 in a row. um, You said you liked the Indian food? Indian food in England is great. It's great. unbelievable. Great food, good food, and yet you got to make your jokes, right? <laughs> oh, I guess I guess whatever keeps the lights on, huh, Alexis? You know what it was? I, uh, the hamburgers were so bad in England. Oh, yeah, they're really terrible. <laughs> also, in England eat hamburgers? Also, <laughs> yes. also yeah, the, the, the hamburgers are bad, and... Pizza makes no sense there. Like it's they brutal. think they think they've had a pizza in England, and like you'll go and they'll be like pizza with chicken and sweet corn. 
<laughs> like that'll be the topping be like full chunks of chicken and little pieces of corn and that'll uh, be a legitimate topic. it's almost like the pizza they're like mad at you and they're just like let's try this it's like a challenge try the pizza with this yeah I've only been to England uh, once and I got horrible uh, food poisoning yeah uh, though it was my own fault though I made fun of Putin before I went the British the British versions of American food are <laughs> Are like a lot of British actors' American accents, where it's like it's sort of close, but you can tell that it's not a real hamburger. It's got into public school. Do the Andrew Lincoln. From, uh, I, oh, we've got a. I I hope to make Facebook too. Uh, finally, Connor. I don't. Uh, I'm sure you. That was Garfield. Who's Andrew Lincoln? The the. Uh, the edit this part uh, out. Dead, edit this part out. Walking fuck, Dead. Fuck, oh, fuck, fuck. Edit this part out. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck. The guy who plays Rick Grimes on the Walking well, Dead. Oh yeah. That's Coral, it, Coral, Coral. We gotta get Coral. We gotta get these zombies into a new town. <laughs> I. It, it's funny because when it, it, I, I I just figured that the reason why he sounds like that was because he was in a coma or something like that. Like that, that's his pros and voice, I guess. Coral, Coral, Coral's dead. Carl's hard. So I, I am not one of the most popular Alexis prayers in the world. There are a few that that are more popular than I am. One of them is a ten- tennis player from Texas named Alexis Pereira. She is, uh, I think, I don't know if she's going pro yet. I haven't seen much. I have a a Google alert for Alexis Pereira, and it's mm-hmm. never me. Okay. It's always uh, either another person named Alexis Pereira or a man named Pereira killed a man named Alexis or something like that. Uh, but uh, I often get emails looking for the other Alexis Pereira. And typically I get emails looking for DJ Alexis Pereira of Venezuela's uh, number one DJ. So uh, I thought, Connor, would you, would you do us a favor? Would you read our latest email uh, to DJ Alexis Pereira? All right. Uh, yeah. There you go. All right, so this is, a, this is an email you received. I did not write this, even though it will be in my voice. Uh, yeah, to DJ Alexis Pereira. DJ, DJ Alexis, my name is Gordon Diefenbach, and I have a problem. I need a DJ for my son's Daniel's Bar Mitzvah. The oh. theme is Hawaii Five-0, the new one, not the remake. Oh. But I've had some trouble finding a DJ willing to violate state and local social distancing orders, which are unconstitutional. Oh, a MAGA guy. Based on your social media presence, you seem like someone down to bend the rules. Uh. And what can I say? Experience has shown me that your kind, parenthetical, Mexicans, <laughs> Whoa. and parenthetical, will do anything for money. So what do you say? Will you help turn my baby boy into a big, strong man? I await your response. Sincerely, Gordon Diefenbach, Certified Public Account. Wow. Certified. I thought that DJ Alexis was like a major, like doing clubs and stuff. I didn't know he was doing bar mitzvahs. Well, the crazy oh, thing but... actually is that people who, um, for bar mitzvahs and stuff, like people hire like Pitbull. Uh, there, there was a, oh, that's right. There was a lawsuit that I was um, privy to uh, in which uh, Pitbull appeared at a, uh, a bar mitzvah in New York City and the stage collapsed. Uh, not while Pitbull was on it, but a lot of people got injured. And so these two attorneys were like arguing because one of them wanted to subpoena Pitbull to come testify and was trying to get Pitbull's like real name and didn't realize that you could just Google it and find it out. Um, so, yeah, you know, they people do all kinds of things for money. That's true. Uh, 
<laughs> What's your real name, Connor? I, I go by my real name. Really? Connor Ratliff, yeah. What's your middle name? William. Connor. Which is my father's name. And my here's the thing. So my father's name was William is is William Orville Ratliff. His father's name was Orville William Ratliff. His father's name was William Orville Ratliff. So they were alternating. So my name was supposed to be Orville William Ratliff. But my mom said no to that. <laughs> and that is why I love my mother so much. Yeah. She really now everyone would be like, You're like that you're like that uh Seth MacFarlane show. Yeah. Are you the Orville? <laughs> And before that, they'd be like, oh, want some popcorn, yeah. Orville? Oh, you're going to make some popcorn, Orville Redenbacher? Mm-hmm. No! <laughs> I'm not! <laughs> um, yeah, um, but I did... Uh, one of the proudest things of my professional career is that when you register, um, as we were talking about Screen Actors Guild before, when you register for SAG... You have to. I think this is a little bit weird. You have to put alternate names in case your name is taken, and it's not a thing where they tell you, "Hey, your name is taken. Would you like to pick a name now?" They make you give three alternates because they don't want to. So it's not even. There's no element of human interaction. It's just an automated process. And you're gonna. If their first alternate is taken, they'll go to your second. They'll go to your third. I was pretty confident that my name wasn't taken, and I was pretty confident confident that my first and second choices because I think I I think my um, I think I reversed it for one of them my name was going to be Ratliff O'Connor um, <laughs> you imagine seeing that on a that's not bad Ratliff O'Connor I, 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 I don't think that's too bad and, yeah. and, and I'm trying to think what I can't remember what the second one was but then I had this third slot I'm like there's no way that I'm going to get my fourth pick for my name um, so I went to social media and I asked, um, hey, give me some alternates for my SAG uh, third third draft pick, fourth draft pick name, and I'll pick the, the one that I think is the funniest. So I got all these great, like, stupid names from people, um, and the... Um, uh, and the one that I picked, um, which I think would have been really funny... Um, uh, which was uh, Alyssa Stonaha from the Three Busy Debras. She was the winning submission, and her her alternate name for me was Sad Garbage. <laughs> and so I wrote Sad Garbage as the third pick on my SAG name. And I really, there's part of me that regrets I didn't get that, even though I think it would have I would have not booked like Prestige. It would have ruined your career. Yeah, you're, no, yeah. I, I, it's I think it would have helped. Type, Connor. I think it would have helped my comedy career. I think it would have meant that I wouldn't get cast in stuff like you know, uh, Twelve Years a Slave or something like that because they just don't want a goofy name showing up in a serious <laughs> film. You know, you're famously they, up for slave owners. The that garbage. role in Twelve Years a Slave. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they just they don't want anything in like a movie that's like really serious. They don't, you don't want like a goofy name showing up in the opening credits. Look at Yahoo Serious's career. Yeah, he did Young Einstein, and that was it. Not so that. serious now. <laughs> um, and uh, but I'm pretty proud of that as a as a thing that I did professionally. I think that was funny. What's the most prestige serious thing you've ever done you uh, in, in, in cinema or TV? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like like. I guess in terms of awards, it's being on Maisel just because that's a thing that like yeah. gets like the most nominations for things. But that's a comedy though. It's, like, a, it's like, a comedy, yeah. What's the most serious? Like I just like I just feel like I would die if like you were like sub. 
kidnapping victim or something like some kind of weird like I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. Um I I no, I don't think I have anything like that. Like I I think like like our friend Jim Santangeli is in the Paterno movie. Mm. Yes, um, that's right. And he and he's really great. He's playing like a parent who's like this guy abused kids. Like he's like um he's like hey, this guy abused yeah. kids. Hey, well he's he's got this serious mustache uh, in it, and he has this big serious monologue. But when I watch it, there's a part of me that like pictures. He's also one of the funniest, silliest. He's the funniest. He's one of the silliest now. people, yeah. and it's just knowing that like if he wanted to, he could get me like, eh, here we go, ah, I'm gonna go, ah, I'm, I'm the guy who did nothing, you know, and he'll go, and uh, no, but I would love to do something. Well, that's the thing is, it, it's secretly. Um, easy to do really serious stuff. It's easy to get in that headspace. It's easy to like act it. it. It's it's true that it's harder to be funny. Like there's a, I think like you could take almost any comedian who's a good actor as a comedian and just slot them in quite easily into any prestige serious thing, and they can do it. Um, you know, I have a theory about that. Actually, I yeah. feel like people who are funny know to cut the funny out. Yeah. And people who are, like, not funny accidentally do funny things in serious roles. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but I don't know. I don't think I have yet a serious prestige thing on my... I mean, I guess probably, like, Orange is the New Black. My the I have two episodes in that. I think the first one is, like, I'm light comic relief, and I think the second one is, like... Uh, it's a sad episode, and that's probably the most. That's the clip I would pull from my reel to be like, "Look at this serious acting," because mm. it's me like telling someone that it's too late for them to change their testimony, and it means that their friend is going to go to prison or <laughs> going to stay in prison for longer. I guess. Alex um, was on Mr. Robot. I was. He yeah. was played a serious to, part. Uh, act opposite uh, Remy Malek uh, and from Larry yeah, Crown. It was, really, it was very fun. It was a lot, a lot of acting in that. Yeah. Um, it was cool. It was, uh, I think the third season. Yeah, Kill Process was the show. Ah. But yeah, that was that was fun. It was no very spoilers. intense. It was my first time on set, mm-hmm. uh, and fortunately, I didn't have any lines to uh, screw up. <laughs> so, That's nice. great. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, Alexis, yeah, what's, your, what's your Alexis? What's your prestige project? You know, I feel like my most prestige project He's still getting the was when the two of us were on the president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you and I were on the president show together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the most prestige thing I've ever done. Because I was like a speaking yeah. truth to power. I was a professional reporter on that, and I didn't have to be funny on that. Mm-hmm. And, and that was like my most serious. As a matter of fact, Anthony Tamanik insisted that we not be funny on that. <laughs> right. He would walk. He would storm around the set, in, and if he heard anyone else getting a laugh, Anthony would he would he would come over and he would claim the laugh. Yeah, he would like if he just even in a casual conversation, Anthony would run over and he would say something funny real quick. And he was expert because he would usually get it in before the laugh really crescendoed, and then he would yeah. ride that wave. What a tyrant he was! Whenever I would say hi to him, he would be like, "I'll, I'll be right back," and then a, an assistant would come in and just move me <laughs> to another. We're joking, of course. Anthony Tamnick is a sweetheart who gave us a year of work. Yeah, it was amazing. As long as his show, that was truly. I don't know that even if I somehow do well in the future, I don't know that I'll have a better year professionally than I had when the president show was on because I worked one day a week. I would 
do the president show on Thursday afternoon, and then I would walk, I would stroll across town to where the Chris Gathard show was broadcasting live, and I would do the audience warm up. And it really was the dream because I was like, if I was like a, a series regular on a TV show, I'd be working these like 18 hour days. Yeah. I'd be making a lot more money, but I'm like, I'm making enough money to get by. I do two shows mostly with my friends. Like, the president show would be, like, you and me hanging around and joking for three hours. Yeah. And then we would work for... Eating crap. Eating all the snacks we wanted. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Eating crap. Eating... Opening little snack packs. And then we would do less than three minutes of actual work. And then we would watch the rest of the show, and we would laugh at the show. And then yeah. I would leave and stroll across town and do another show... I'm never going to get it better than that. Oh, also, how amazing was it that we'd always get our thing done in one take? Yeah. We ne- we never had two takes of our th- our bits. Like, yeah. we'd always be like, we'd do our thing, and we're out, and everybody else would have to re-record constantly. Yeah. Our thing was perfect. Our thing was perfect. And yeah, and Anthony Tamanek, notoriously known as Two Take Tony. <laughs> <laughs> now he's mad again. Uh, well, so, funny? that's... Th- <laughs> that's our podcast. Wait, everybody. that's it? No, 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 I have more. <laughs> please, please. Uh, I have nothing to do. <laughs> a special double episode? <laughs> in, the spe- in the double episode, we guess the news of next week. You have to understand, Alexis, the show that I do every week. Oh, is this where we do plugs? Yeah. Um, the show that I do every week on PlanetScum.Live, the George Lucas talk show. Our format, once a month, we do a long charity marathon that's basically all day but then we started doing shorter episodes using a format that we call the Irishman Plus meaning that every episode is at least one minute longer than the Irishman <laughs> um, so to me I, gosh it feels like this just went by in a blink of an eye well you know sometimes ha- ha- hanging out with your friends having fun it's the fastest uh, thing to happen Maybe second fastest put that, Alexis. Put, put that put that on a shirt the quote that you said, including including the slight disfluency, put that quote on a shirt, and then on the back of the shirt, uh, the the rejoinder. That's a rejoinder. That's what I've been doing this entire time. Rejoinders. Thank you, Connor. Oh, uh, thank you for having me on the show. I'm sorry that I disrupted. You were concluding, and I added a, just a little bit of something. No, they're professional. That's what I was going to ask. Like, where can the people see you? They can go to Hell's Kitchen, see you there. (laughs) I'll make it back eventually. Yeah. Come see me in the abandoned uh, comedy theater that I now haunt. Um, um, uh, Somebody said to me recently, well, the building will still be there when you get back. I said, I don't care. (laughs) They're like trying to bright side it. The most important feeling was the building. I was like, I don't care. Empty building where I used to do shows. <laughs> Great. Um, um, I heard the subway next door is expanding. Oh, to it. Yeah, it's twenty five <laughs> hours a day. Um, yeah, they're like, "How is that possible?" I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Um, eat fresh. Uh, fuck you, eat fresh. <laughs> it would be great if that was their, instead of Subway Eat Fresh, if that was their slogan. Fuck you, eat fresh. <laughs> um, I, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Connor Ratliff. I do the George Lucas talk show for um, presumably as long as this pandemic goes on. That's what I do on Sundays. Um, and Is stepfather's doing any virtual shows? We have Zo- we have Zoom meetings uh, every now and then, but they're getting harder to schedule as people get more depressed. Wow. <laughs> the, um, but uh, we we haven't really done any Zoom prov things, um, and my podcast Dead Eyes, 
Um, we'll be back for a second season, hopefully before the end of the year, um, which is the show about how I got fired by Tom Hanks from Band of Brothers because he yeah. thought th- that I had dead eyes. But it was revenge. It wasn't about your eyes. Your eyes are, are not dead. Everything's not revenge with you, Alexis. <laughs> but it, that's why he did it. And he's a famous actor. I'm saying, like, it, the, revenge feels the, the genius. That's what I say. What happened? Revenge feels the- Alexis, what about Mercy? <laughs> Yeah, you want mercy? Yeah, the best. You even said that as if that was like your dirty, hairy catchphrase. Like you're breaking the guy's arm. Like you want mercy? Uh, all right, now and we end every episode, uh, as you know, with a final thought from uh, our, our co-host uh, Alex Estrada. Alex, uh, you want to take it away? Sure, I will. You know, I I've been thinking about it. And, uh, you know, I, I think really there are three best revenges. The first best revenge is living well. The second best revenge is murder. And the third best revenge, mercy. <laughs> no, <laughs> just two. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.